Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Again, anybody who has wants to give or has more questions about sponsoring a child can see Jim after service out there. Hmm. So pull up the first slide from last week before we get into Matthew chapter 6 about the five P's. Last week I talked about the five P's of partnership, and I just felt like God wanted me to go over these words. Of course, I could probably come up with 12, 15 words you know, about it, but I felt like these five words were important. And we talked about, we talked about these five words. Go ahead and pull them all up, guys. Pull all, all five of them up. Um, we talked about, you know, the presence of the Lord. We, we, we talked about how everything's about his presence, that we, we first come to him and then he walks with us and walk through that whole thing. I'm not going back over all that, but talked about these five words. And I felt like the spirit of God is wanting to remind us of these five, you know, realities of partnering with God, because as disciples of Christ, you and I, as disciples of Christ, we are, we are in partnership with God. We are in partnership. With God. We are joint heirs with Jesus, and we are in partnership with God. So wherever it is you live and wherever it is you work and whatever it is you do, you are a partner with God. And, and so all these realities about his presence and his promises and, and all, these, all these P's are, are vital realities that we need, to, we need to, to look at and not be distracted from and not let, not let discouragement kind of take us away from these things. So sometimes we don't feel like God's present. But if we don't feel like he's present, does that mean he's still present? Yes. And so we got to learn to walk by faith, not by feelings, to connect to these realities so we're faithful in our partnership. And so as I was praying this week about, okay, Lord, what do you want me to teach next? And because I had a certain thing that I was going to go through and teach, and I felt like he was kind of just changing it. And, um, and so I felt like he just real clear talked to me about this, this concept of, of in partnership with God, Jesus will correct his partners. Like he's the kind of, he, he's the partner that, now he's the Lord, he's Lord. In this partnership, there's two positions, Lord and servant. He's Lord, we're servants. But we're in a partnership because it's a marriage between the Lord. And so in this reality that he will, he will correct those he's in partnership with. And, and so in this correction, what he was speaking to me about is the times in the Bible and that he confronted his disciples and said, oh, ye of little faith. So this morning, I want to do a one, two, skip a few, going through the book of Matthew, looking at every time Jesus dealt with their lack of faith or their little faith. And sometimes he even said it this way, where is your faith? Like you ever seen somebody losing their mind? You know, you know they're a believer, but they're just losing their mind, and you're thinking, like, where, where is your faith? What's going on? Where is your faith? Matter of fact, look to your neighbor and say, Where is your faith? And and so in, in looking at this and trying to un, unpack this, I felt like little faith is a big problem. 
Little faith is a real big problem. And I want you to kind of evaluate yourself as we look through a hand, you know, one, two, skip a few, look at some of these scriptures. I want you to evaluate because what I found is each one of the times that he said, oh, ye of little faith, it deals with one of those P words. I didn't plan that. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, but that's what it kind of worked out to be. So in Matthew chapter six, if you don't mind looking there, Matthew chapter six, and we'll start in verse um, 24, Matthew chapter six, verse 24. When you got it, say, got it. No, oh, that was super encouraging. Got it. Got it. Let's praise the Lord. So verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or, or money. Really, it's the spirit behind money. Okay? Verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why, look at this question, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. Neither do they spin or toil. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, meaning those who are not in partnership with God, basically. For you, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God, that means the, the king's way of doing things, and his righteousness, and these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, will, uh, will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day, is its own troubles. And so the reality is he's speaking to us about not worrying. And he's, he's saying your faith, he, he's, he's like, why? Why do you worry? You're in partnership with me. Like I, I think, and I don't want to stretch a point, but just to kind of make it, make it a little, you know, to stretch a point, to make a point. I think Jesus is, it's not that he's confused. I think he understands, but, but but it's almost like he's confused because like from where I come from, we don't worry about that. Like back at home office in heaven, we don't worry about that. But here you're, you're in the field and you're, you're, you know, in this foreign nation called uh, America and you're, you're, you're a kingdom representative in this foreign nation called America and you're worrying about provision. You're worrying about provision. And, and Jesus is like, I think he's like, I, I don't, I, I don't understand. Why do you worry? That's a great question to ask yourself. Why do you worry? Because what this comes against, the, the P word this comes against is provision. That it's a, it's a lack of faith. It's provision. Like, is, 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, I shall not want. I shall not lack. So if that's true, and if my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory, why am I worrying? There's only two reasons I need to worry. Two reasons I would need to worry. If God's not able or, or faithful to do his part, so we know that's not true, so I can take off number one right there. God is able to do his part. My provider can provide. Can I get an amen on that? The only other part that in the equation, in this partnership that could go wrong is my part. My stewardship. My ability to do things the kingdom way. To, to do things like the king, to be in submission to the king. That it's not my money, it's his money. It's not my house, it's his house. Not my company, it's his company. It's not, I don't own anything. I'm a steward of everything, but I own nothing. And so if I'm, so the only problem in the equation could possibly be on my side in this partnership. So the only reason I would worry is, is because maybe I'm not handling something the way he says to handle it. But if I'm walking in alignment with the word of God, not my will be done, but your will be done, and storms come and things happen, I can trust the Lord and I don't have to worry. Because I'm walking in obedience to him. And he's my provider. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He'll provide for me. And I don't know who's here that needs to hear this, but... I really feel like it's this, this one of these kind of sermons. Stop worrying. Worrying is a waste of time. A lot of times we, we, we tend to think that it's almost responsible to worry. No, it's responsible to trust God. So every time you feel like worrying, you can take that thing by, by its neck and bring it into the obedience to God and just begin to thank God. God, I thank you that I'm a faithful steward, and I thank you that if there's anything I'm not doing that I should be doing, Holy Spirit, you will help me and you'll realign me to what I need to be doing. And I thank you, God, that I trust you. I trust you and I honor you. And, 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 and God, you are my source and you are my supply. And you and your dog or your cat or your bird can say, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Amen. Or some of y'all weird people, you got a ferret or something like that. That's just weird if you have a ferret. That's just stuff weird. Um, hopefully nobody has a ferret here. I had a friend that had a ferret. Freaked me out. Little devil. Um, <laughs> anyways. So one, two, skip a few. Go to, go, to, um, go to Matthew chapter 8. Go to Matthew chapter 8. <laughs> Everyone's like, got it, got it, got it, got it. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 8, and look in verse 23. That's what I'm talking about. Feel the Lord up in here. We cast that ferret spirit out. We're in the, we're in the business now. Um, uh, 23. Go to tw Matthew 8, 23. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest rose in the sea, and the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. That's just funny to me. He was asleep. And all <laughs> Anyway, I'll keep going. Then... His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little 
faith. Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Who can this be that the winds and the sea obey him? I just think this is incredible um, of Jesus asleep in the boat. The storm's coming and storms come and they represent all kinds of storms. Could be any kind of storm. Jesus in the boat, he's asleep. He's not in the sleep. He's not asleep because he's irresponsible. He's sleeping because he's responsible. Uh, Pastor Chris Strong said this one time comparing this this story to the time when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he kind of just connected these two things, and he made this one statement that I think is very profound and probably is very fitting, at least to me, maybe fitting to you. He says, Jesus, when he was trying to pray with his disciples, said, could you not pray with me for one hour? His disciples were asleep in prayer. Y'all know the story in Matthew 26, Jesus asked his disciples to pray with him for one hour and, and, and three different times he found them sleeping. So the disciples were asleep in prayer, but Jesus was awake in prayer. And so what he said was this, if you sleep in prayer, you'll be awake during the storm. But if you're awake in prayer, you can sleep during the storm. Thought, man, that's good. That's really good. And so here's, here's this reality. This speaks to the presence of, of God because he was present he was present and if and if we're in a boat with Jesus and he's not doing much he's not anxious he's not oh my gosh we're going to die what's going to happen he's not freaking out about what's going on in your life and you're and he's asleep maybe we should kind of follow his lead and maybe instead of feeling like you need to do something to fix something or to control something or to change something do y'all know anybody in your neck of the woods that tries to control everything don't look at them right now. I'm just asking if you know them. Maybe instead of trying to do that, we just, you know what? We're just going to rest in the Lord. We're just going to rest in the Lord because this storm came to pass and we're going to the other side. Jesus was asleep in the boat. So I think this is about the presence of the Lord. So being, being fully aware of his presence in the middle of the storm, sometimes we're more aware of the storm than we are of his presence. And what we need to do is just, I'm going to go be with him. I'm going to follow his lead in this. I'm not going to follow what everybody else is doing. Feeling, feeling, feeling like I got to do something. Many times I, I struggle with this. I feel like I have to do something. Like it's irresponsible not to do anything. But I need to sleep with the Lord and just trust him. Because sometimes when I try to do something, I make it more complicated. Sarah's told me different times we have this conversation sometimes, and she's like, John, thank you for trying to help. Please stop helping. Please stop helping. And it's, and it's just like, okay, you know. And, and so that's one of the things about his presence. So whoever it is I need to speak to this morning, whoever it is, and maybe it's you watching at home. And by the way, if you're watching at home, you need to get your tail back in church, okay? You just need to come on. Uh, and the reality is that if storms come and they distract you and cause you to worry and get anxiety, in Christ, there's a restful one that can stand up and take authority over that anxiety and say, ah, sleep, storm, be still. I'm going to sleep because the Lord is in my boat. And we're going to the other side. 
And so that's how we walk in partnership with God. And that's being aware of his presence. So one, two, skip a few, go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, and we'll look at verse 53. Oh, I love hearing those Bible pages turn. I'm telling you, you can go to most churches, you won't hear no Bible pages turning. Love it, love it, love it. Verse 53. Uh, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables and he had departed from there, he had come to his own country and he taught them in the synagogue um, so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and those mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son, meaning Joseph's son? Is not this his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and Joseph, Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he, now, now he did not do many mighty works or miracle works there because of their unbelief. This is astonishing to me. This is absolutely, this is about the power. This is about the power of God. And because people get too familiar with people, because they were too, like, this is Joseph's boy. This is Jesus. I went to elementary school with him. I, 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 like, I know him. I know him in the natural. See, sometimes when you know somebody too familiar in the natural, you don't see the supernatural that God is making them to be. And instead of being an encouragement to call out the supernatural that God is birthing in them, you just keep reminding them of their natural thinking you're doing God and them a favor, like who you think you are. Instead of, instead of encouraging them to trust the Lord and hear the Lord, even if they mess up a time or two, to, to trust the Lord and rise up. And so here, Jesus, Jesus did not do and could not do many mighty miracles. I mean, he had the ability, he had the ability to do all kinds of miracles, supernatural power, but could not do it because of the person's unbelief because of the, the, the cities and the villages' unbelief. They didn't really believe Jesus was who he was in the Spirit. And so I'm challenged by that. I don't understand all the aspects of that because I don't think it's healthy and right to go put somebody in a position and, and try to beat them up in some kind of arrogant way and say, well, the reason why God didn't heal your loved one or the reason why this didn't happen is you just needed more faith. I think that's a wrong way of looking at it. Yet at the same time, Jesus couldn't heal people because of their lack of faith. I don't know how to walk it all out in perfect. I'm just growing. I'm learning. But I'm going to tell you what, I always want to check my faith walk. I always want to check my faith walk. I'm not, I'm not, as a partner of God, I'm not putting everything off on God. As a partner of God, as a disciple of Christ, I realize I have responsibility. Tell the person next to you, you have responsibility. And I've, I'm telling you, I've laid hands on people and I've seen people healed. I've experienced healing in my own body, supernatural healing in my own body. I've seen people healed. I've seen demons cast out of people. I've seen it happen. 
I've seen it happen. Sometimes it's little stuff and sometimes it's big stuff. And I've also had people that I've loved with all my heart that I'm speaking over them and I'm doing everything I know to do, declaring the word of God, doing everything I know to do, and they still die. And I don't understand it. I do not understand. And it breaks my heart every time I see it happen. But the word of God does not change. That's why we preach the gospel. Some get saved, some don't get saved, but we don't stop preaching the gospel. We don't, we don't create a new gospel based on our experiences to try to balance out and justify why this didn't happen or that didn't happen. We trust the word of God and we say the word of God. And I just want to tell you that the Lord is your mighty power. He's your healer. He's your redeemer. And he, he works signs and wonders and miracles. And some of you are in this room and you're needing a miracle. And I don't care how many times you have been disappointed, whether at God or at somebody else, because maybe it didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen, but God is a miracle-working God. And I never want to approach, I never want to approach the Lord in, in a thing where my, my hard-heartedness has, has come in, and I have a hard heart of unbelief standing before God because of what I have experienced. I always want him to just, in the brightness of his glory and the revelation of who he is, the awe and wonder of who he is, to always dominate my past experiences. And say, Lord, in spite of all this, at your word I will believe. Despite whatever has happened to me in the past, I'm not going to let my past pain and my past failure cause me to not believe you right now in the present. That, God, I always want to have a fresh faith. I don't care what's happening in the world. I don't care what's happening in the White House. I don't care what's happening in any house. But, God, for me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. I want to come to you and I want to have a living faith. How do you approach him? In this day and in this season, how do you approach the Bible? How do you approach coming to church? Are we too comfortable? Are we coming in just like, hey, what's up? You know, are we, are, how do we approach the things of God? Maybe we need to step it up a bit. Maybe we need to come back with honor. Maybe we need to come back with a sense of, of, of fear working by love, of respecting God and saying, God, your name is higher than any, any other name. And your work is higher than any other work. You've heard me say it a billion times here. There is no greater mission in life. There's no greater crusade. There's no greater occupation. There is no greater thing in this world than to be a part of the Great Commission for Jesus Christ. There is no greater thing. You, there is no social justice. There is no thing you could possibly be a part of. There's no enterprise, no business, no schooling. There is no name that you could be a part of that has more value and significance eternally than the great commission of Jesus Christ. And he wants to work miracles not only in you, he wants to work miracles through you. But we got to believe him. We got to believe him. And we've got to let the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we've got to believe him. We got to believe his word.
I just see three things, maybe four. There's a business that's about to go under and you need a miracle. There's a marriage that's about to go under and you need a miracle. And there's someone that's been contemplating suicide and you're about to go under and you need a miracle. If you're willing, he's able. And there's probably a whole list more. And if you saying that's me and I've been struggling with a hard heart to whatever capacity, I'm not saying like you're the Grinch, but you've been struggling with a hard heart. It's been hard for you to believe that God is able. We want to pray for you. And this is the safest place you could be. I know other churches and other places, sometimes churches has misrepresented God. I know there's a lot of church hurt probably in this room. And no one in this room is perfect, especially your pastor. Uh, Sarah's more perfect than me. But the reality is, this is a safe place. And especially if you're in one of those three groups. Or you say, Pastor, you didn't list my issue, but I'm in a place right now where me and mine need a miracle from God, but I'm struggling to believe him. I want to believe, but help my unbelief. I want you to stand to your feet right where you are, if that's you. I'll sit here for a second because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cool to break through the awkwardness. I'm cool to break through it. So I'm going to sit here just for a second. I know some of y'all are about to pass out. But if it's you, I want you to stand to your feet. We don't know what three reasons. It could be for any other reason. But if you're like, that's me, I need a miracle, I want you to stand to your feet. All right, Matt. Anybody else? Don't y'all hate it when I do this? Is there anybody here that says God did a miracle in my life? Anybody here? God has done a miracle in my life. Okay. Anybody here says I'm in a place I need a miracle. Then stand to your feet wherever you're at. If you need a miracle, stand to your feet. And church family, y'all just trust me on this. Church family, go around them right now and just start praying. Worship team, I want you to go ahead and come on up. Church family, the ones who are standing, I want you to go around them and I just want you to start praying. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this section out in, in a prayer. Just start praying. For the ones who are standing, just go over and start praying for them. And just let the Lord lead you. Just start praying. You can't mess this up, guys. You can't mess this up. And here's what I like to have happen. Just start praying right now over these people. Just start praying over them. And those who are being prayed for, open your heart like a little child before God. Open your heart like a child before God. 
Stop believing the lies. Turn your focus. Turn your decision. Think in a different direction. Tell the Lord that you believe. Choose to change directions in your heart and in your mind. Turn your eyes back upon the Lord. Those who are being prayed for, just open your hands before the Lord and open your heart before the Lord and receive, just receive this impartation of faith. I'll have to finish the rest of the sermon later. I just want to pray over this, pray over these right here. Father, in Jesus' name, right here at Faith Center, we pray a fresh release of faith over these people, God. We pray a fresh oil over them, God. We pray, God, that you just release a fresh word over them. Break off the hardness of heart. Break off the lies. Break off the shackles, God. Break off the chains. Let the sword of your spirit, the living word of God, break through, God. Let it penetrate their heart, God. Let it heal their wounding, God. Let fresh faith come, God. We believe, God. We believe you're able. We believe you're willing, God. We believe you are Lord, God. We believe you can do it again, God. You're the great God, Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You split the sea, God. You brought water from a rock. You brought manna every day to feed your people. We thank you, God. You're the Lord of hosts, God. We say, we say angels be released right now. to minister to those who are called by your name. And we pray a fresh faith, God, to come that your healing anointing would be released, God, that your power would be released, that your miracle-working power, God, would be released. We don't want the fake and goofy. We don't want anything that's not of you. But, God, we want all of you. And, Lord, release your power. Release a fresh faith, God, to believe again, to hear again, to see again, to speak again. By your spirit. You are able, Lord. You're the only one who's able. You're the only one who's able, God. And we just pray over every person that courageously stood to receive prayer. A living faith over them, God. That as they read your word, it'll jump off the page. And they will trust you. And even if they die today, they die in faith. We thank you for it. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.